0: Hi, my name is Gary and I am so blessed to be one of the pastors here at Providence Church. And I'm happy to be present with you in this way. Let us pray. Oh Lord, please speak through me. Your people are hungry, hungry for word. Amen. I am clear that the faith that we declare is a journey We do not begin or end the adventure of faith as experts, no matter how accomplished we may be. The trek through life is full of detours and roadblocks and some failures. We are not successful every day. We get knocked down and we get up. We get knocked down and we get up. We get knocked down and we get up. We have, by the grace of God, indefatigable spirits. This simply means that we do not give up and we do not lose hope. Our leader, Jesus, is our example. He was knocked down and he got up. Jesus is our example. We keep getting up, thanks be to God. According to Psalm 119, 105, the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thank God for well-lit pathways. Our summer series has been all about pathways, all about cultivating timeless practices to connect to God. The lights along the pathway, as Psalm 119 indicates, are rooted in the word of God and provide the tools necessary for completing the journey. The lights along the pathway help us to run and not grow weary. They help us to cultivate and maintain the indefatigable spirit that is ours by the grace of God. Thank God for prayer, solitude, and silence. Thank God for the light of fasting. Thank God for the light of worship. Thank God for the light of study. Thank God for spiritual companions. Thank God for service, thank God for simplicity. And as we conclude our summer series today, we thank God for the light of hospitality. I begin with a story that may be familiar to you. Mark 6, beginning at verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going and they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves and abode to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, And it is already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 150s, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And then the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. In John chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, we find a very similar story. In the telling of this story, Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, brings a boy to Jesus who has five loaves of barley bread and two fish. The disciples despair that it is not enough. The thought of not enough takes away their ability to act, but it does not remove hospitality's response. You see, hospitality, though a noun, always has action attached to it. Hospitality requires that we dismiss notions of not enough. With God, there is always a multiplication factor, and we see it in the text. They started with not enough and ended with 12 basketfuls of fragments. I remember sitting around the table of a missionary some years ago in West Africa, And there were about eight of us at the dinner table every evening. And when I sat down at the table, I would look at the food being served and I would think, this is not enough for all of us. And I was always careful just to take enough, but not too much. And every evening after about eight of us had eaten, there would be something left. I don't know if the food was multiplied but it sure was enough to sustain our weary, tired, and hungry bodies. My brothers and sisters, hospitality also requires compassion. Compassion is an emotional response to empathy. Empathy means that we we feel, we feel the pain, we feel the need, but compassion pushes us to do something. Hospitality requires that we do something. I love what Jesus said. I hear sternness in his voice as he's responding to disciples who've been following him for a little while. He says, you give them something to eat. Oh, hospitality requires that someone also receives. Said another way, a willingness to submit to another. You see, in the act of hospitality, there's giving and there's also receiving. There's giving and there's also receiving. Don't block the giving cycle. Food is at the center of so much of the ministry of Jesus. He ate at the home of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. He ate at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. While he was reclining at table and probably eating, a woman came and washed his tired feet with her tears. Near the end of his life, we find Jesus at table with his disciples, sharing a common meal. Food has a way of creating community. Sharing food is one way to dismiss othering. You see, when we eat with people, when we sit down at a a shared meal together, community is created in such a way that we cannot experience otherwise. And othering grows away. We become members of the same family. I do not want you to think that hospitality is just about food because that would leave some of us, some of you out. Hospitality is taking care of your guests and anticipating their needs. Marjorie Thompson, in her book, Sophie's, describes hospitality this way. Hospitality means receiving the other from the heart into my own dwelling place. It entails providing for the need, comfort, and delight of the other. With all the openness, respect, freedom, tenderness, and joy, that love itself embodies. Hospitality means that I and all that I have is available to others and offered with joy. An example of hospitality is making the bed every morning for someone staying at your house. It is the cordial and generous reception and disposition toward guests. I believe that hospitality is a defining characteristic of all who would follow Jesus. Oh, thank God for those who undertake the ministry of hospitality here at Providence Church. When I walk toward the building on, on Sunday morning and I see people standing at the doorway to greet me, I'm reminded again of the word of God. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I experience hospitality when the door is open for me and I enter the courts of God with praise and thanksgiving. But I know for some of you, it's not the doorway that excites you. It's the coffee and the donuts, Oh, what hospitality offered so freely and so generously. Jesus paints a picture of hospitality as he describes the distinguishing trademark of those who really follow him, those who really love him. Recorded in Matthew 25, beginning at verse 34, it says, Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Hospitality, though a noun, looks like a verb. It requires that we do something. Hospitality requires eyes to see the needs. Hospitality requires an openness to strangers. Hospitality requires availability to those who are sick. The Bible is so very clear as it shines a clear light upon the spiritual pathway of hospitality. Listen to the word. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful servants of God's grace in its various forms. Oh, but hear this one. Keep on loving. Let me say that again. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I wonder if... Hospitality is your gift and something that you already practice. Take this test now. Do people just love to hang out at your house? Is having people over something that you love to do? Are you the first one to greet? The new people in your church are your home? Do people feel comfortable stopping by your house out of the blue? And then do you enjoy it? Is your home a place of ministry? Do you enjoy parties and events? I wonder if hospitality is. Your gift. I do not wonder whether it is God's gift. God has been so hospitable toward us in creation. God has created everything that we need. The list is inexhaustible fresh air, sun to shine, the moon in the evening, the stars at night the birds singing in the morning, the list is long. God has provided everything that we need and we pause even now to thank God for being so hospitable. God has run ahead of us, preparing a way and our cup overflows. Truth is, you and I are on the receiving end and the giving end. Of hospitality. We have received in abundance. And I pray that we have been giving in abundance. I've been on the receiving end of incredible hospitality all over the world. There are more memorable experiences that I can share but one stands out above all the rest. It was Wednesday, November 7th, 2012. You may wonder how I remember the exact day. It was the day after the second election of Barack Obama as president of the United States as is my custom on election day and the day after I wear my tie that has American flags all over it. It's just something I do around election day. I was scheduled on November 7 to fly to New York City for a morning meeting. A a storm was in the forecast of coming, and Gwen, my wife, questioned whether I ought to go because a a storm was coming. I said, no, I I have a 10 o'clock meeting. My flight is at 2. I'll be home before the storm happens. You know it didn't quite happen that way. I flew up, had my meeting, Oh, I suited up that day, had my tie on, my best suit, nice briefcase. Got back to the airport in time for my two o'clock flight and boarded it. They helped us to know that it was not leaving at that point. And it was delayed and it was delayed and it was delayed. And again, around 730 that evening, we boarded the flight again. I'd been bumped up to first class that evening. I was excited about that. I greeted the man next to me, we had a pleasantry. I knew he was a traveler internationally. He knew I was a traveler internationally. He had an iPad, I had an iPad. We continued to work. Then over the PA, we heard the announcement that the flight was canceled. I could hear Gwen in my ears at this moment. I told you not to go to New York that day. But as I stood up, the stranger said to me, there are no hotels in New York tonight. Superstorm Sandy was last week. My wife is out of town. You're welcome to come home with me. I won't tell you what I thought because I'm in church. But my initial thought was, this is not happening. I went out into LaGuardia Airport. He took a seat while I inquired as to the possibility of getting a flight out that night, and it soon became apparent that it would not happen. I could see myself sleeping on the floor in my nice suit. I went aside and I called Gwen on the phone. And I said, Gwen, what would you think if I went home with a traveler, with a stranger? She said, well, what's his name? I said, I don't know. She thought for a minute and said, well, you're there. Just let me know what happens. I went over to the stranger. I extended my hand and I said, I'm Gary. He said, I'm Nick. I said, Nick, I'm going home with you tonight. We went down to get a taxi. A perfect storm, no taxis at all. Can you believe it? New York City. We stood about 45 minutes in the queue. We hopped a taxi to go uptown with another traveler. We got off in Manhattan around 57th and 2nd. Maybe you know the neighborhood. We walked through the doorman. We walked past the doorman, entered the elevator, and went up to the 22nd floor. And when the door opened, the best way I can describe it, it looked sort of like a mudroom. There was a bench and some things to hang clothes, clothes. and he said, well, my wife always insists that I take my shoes off when I go in the house. Do you mind? I said, no. I took my shoes off, and we hung a jacket there. And when we entered the home, I discovered that in the business district of New York City, he lived on the entire 22nd floor of the building. I won't go into the details, but it was nice. He showed me a comfortable room with a private bath. We quibbled about who might make dinner. We decided to walk a block and have dinner that night and get to know each other. We came back and did pleasantries around bedtime. I said, well, what time do we leave tomorrow? He said, well, I've changed my plans. I'm leaving at 6. And he took me out to the mudroom, showed me a little key fob and said, well, if you want to go out in the morning, take this. I said, no, when I leave in the morning, I'll be leaving. I got a business card. We exchanged it. I went to my room, readied myself for bed. I called Gwen. I told her what was going on. I went to sleep. Slept better than I think I've slept in a long time. I woke up the next morning. Nick was gone. He left a note in the kitchen, The coffee pot is here, the food is here, if you wanna cook something here. I sat and enjoyed this beautiful home that God provided. Left, took my noon flight, I boarded, pulled out my iPad, I wrote Nick a note, it was a simple note, one subject line, I was a stranger and you took me in." What an incredible act of hospitality. But since that time in 2012, we have an annual connection by telephone, usually around Christmas. What's going on? Where you have been? What kind of traveling? The Bible reminds us in Hebrews 13, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I'm not sure who the angel was in my New York story since I was on the receiving end. The stranger who took me in continues to be an angel to me. May the light of hospitality continue to illuminate your path. Hallelujah. Amen.